Hi, friends. I'm Olivia. I'm Rod. And you're listening to Just One More Thing from Sunrise Church. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Just One More Thing. Today, we are covering the January 22nd sermon titled Invited to a Living Hope. I'm going to start off with a couple questions that I have. First, you mentioned that Peter's the apostle of hope. You said Paul is the apostle of faith and John is the apostle of love. I had never heard that before. Is that like, where does that idea come from of putting them in those groupings? So it doesn't come explicitly from the Bible, but uh, there are categories that people create. We know all the apostles had different personalities. And so Obviously, being different individuals, they had different things that really moved them and uh, really they were passionate about. You're talking more about the distinction of the things they emphasize, Paul emphasizing faith, Peter emphasizing hope, and John emphasizing love. So it's not uh, a biblical, you know, it's not stated explicitly in the Bible that that's who they were. We don't think they were... uh, necessarily called that in their day, but they've been given the nickname, you know, so of, of those. Um, one of the questions that we got at the ask at isunrise.org email was about the word into. Do you have the verse? Yes. In 1 Peter 1, verse 3, uh, the whole verse in the New International Version reads, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And the verse doesn't stop there. So the question is... Well, the question is um, just to speak about what this into means. What are the possibilities here? Okay, so I'm going to share some things from Dan Wallace, who's a professor at Dallas Seminary. He wrote a grammar that's the intermediate grammar. It's beyond the basics. Uh, Dan says that uh, this particular prepositional phrase, when it's modifying, when it's doing handling the accusative case, whatever that is, the number one use is spatial. It means toward. He has given us a new birth toward a living hope. So interpreting it that way, and that's the way I interpret it, means uh, into or to is the way some translations do. It's like moving them toward that particular object. It's like progressive instead of static. Correct. Now, the other usage, and different translations handle this different ways, it could be purpose. Uh, He has given us new birth for the purpose of having a, a living hope. It could be result. He's given us new birth uh, so that or with the result that we would have living hope. And you can see the nuances to this. Mm -hmm. There's another way this can be used as a reference or in respect to. So he's given us a new birth uh, with respect to a living hope. And hope would be modifying uh, the new birth. It tells what this this new birth is, is all about. I think the next one, advantage, he's given us a new birth for or for the advantage so we can have the advantage of living hope. And that's the way I understand it, more between spatial and advantage. My big interpretive issue there was a living hope is not guaranteed. A person can have um, a living faith that they embrace. They can have a, uh, a dead faith, James talks about. And I talked about this in the sermon 
they can have completely lost hope. But as a believer, one doesn't need to lose hope. One has a living hope. And the reason one has a living hope is quite simple, because we have a living Savior. If we did not have a living Savior, we would not and could not embrace the concept or the idea that we have a living hope, and we're offered a living hope. It's just whether we will take the initiative and step into that and understand what uh, what that would be. So there's there's uh, there's several ways syntactically you can understand that, but I think the most sense and and, and here's the reason why that I take it the way I, I I take it is because of what he says next as it relates to inheritance, and that's what we're going to talk about next week. Because those two concepts, I think, are connected there, and I, I hope I'll make that clear next week. Okay, because some of the—sorry, go ahead. No, because that's what shoved me in that direction. I, I came into that backwards. I came in from studying inheritance and what was going on with that word. Then I stepped in, well, wait a minute. I wonder if this applies to living hope. And that was the key that unlocked the te- text for me, because it's all one sentence uh, in, in Greek. And mm-hmm. so we broke it up in English— trying to understand uh, stand it. Okay, because some of the um, ways that you could interpret it with the accusative sounds like it almost is a guarantee where it's with the result of a living hope. That sounds like you have it. And then so you're taking it more. Is it, if I understand you correctly, is it that we have the new birth and some people have living hope to a greater extent than others or some people have it and some people don't? No, some people have it to a greater extent than others. But everyone has everyone, everyone has, has living hope when they become a, a believer. Well, yes. I mean, if they embrace that aspect of the promises that Christ has made to them. But how could you not? Well, because there, there are several things that might happen. You might not be in a church that teaches the Word of God. You might be in a church that teaches their theology and not the Word of God. You might have come to a point where you realize that you're not good enough to face a, a holy deity, and you simply believe that whatever reason that your only hope is Jesus and that uh, you know, you heard the story of Jesus rising from the dead. But just because someone crosses that line in faith and you believe him for his gift of eternal life, he said, you know, if you believe in me, believing in him for eternal life, he will give you life. But it doesn't mean that growth is necessarily going to happen from that. Okay, so you're seeing living hope almost as a parallel or maybe a signal of the growth that somebody has. Yes. Okay, I'm, I'm with you now. Yeah, and, and that's going to become clearer uh, with the word inheritance. The International Standard Version, here's the way it translates it. He has granted us a new birth resulting in an immortal hope. Well, see, that concept is very different from the concept that I preach, that I believe the text offers. Because, yeah, we we become, the moment a person believes in Christ for everlasting life, they have eternal life. The gift of life starts right there. But experientially, they might not experience the living hope that Peter is trying to encourage his readers to embrace. Because if you look at your specific circumstances, you might lose hope. And so he is trying to encourage them that, yes, he's given us birth 
to eternal life, but there's so much more. This birth actually offers us living hope. And it doesn't guarantee it's going to happen. And it's not the problem on the part of the life giving. It's the part on our our problem. It's on the receiving end. We don't believe him for that living hope. I think I think I see what you're saying. It might be that I just need to hear next week's sermon. Yes. And once we get further into it, things are going to start clicking in a way. Yes. Because there's so much I want to give away right now that I right. can't because it would right. get, steal my thunder for next week. Right. But with that about living hope, this is a good segue because you had the um, analogy of the house and people are kind of stuck in the foyer and they for whatever reason, either they're too comfortable in the foyer to want to explore the rest of the house. In my opinion, some people are too afraid that they're going to get kicked out of the house, that they're just trying to do their best to stay in the foyer. And that becomes a matter of eternal security. And they're not understanding what it means to have eternal life. First of all, if you have ever the gift of eternal life, or I guess everlasting life, because it has a starting point and then goes on forever. If you could lose that, it's not everlasting. Correct. So there's already that. But your analogy was really good. And it's the living hope when you know that you're not getting kicked out of that house. That frees you up to so many things that those who are still trying to figure out, oh, am I going to stay in the house or not? Their focus is totally on something else that doesn't, it's imprisoning them really to not it's not letting them move around the house in the freedom that they do have. Okay, let's change one word in this whole thing. Okay. And instead of using the term house, mm-hmm. let's use the term home. Because okay. when a person comes home, their soul comes home. They're home now. And there's so much more to home than they realize. And so what I'm trying to encourage people to do, and what I think Peter's trying to encourage the people to do, is embrace all that home has. They're not going to get kicked out of home. It's home. It's where they belong. It's what their heart has longed for and searched for. And so uh, they just have to have the courage and the faith to understand that grace is extended and there's so much more. And so that's the living hope. That's the living faith. Uh, It's a faith that works. It's a hope that uh, is confident, not in the possibilities or in the, uh, what's the word I used? I used another word, in the potential, but it's built off of certainty. And uh, it's growing your heart to that point where you understand that. And in that place is security, is rest for your souls, grace. That's where you experience grace. Um, so yeah, you're not going to get kicked out of the house or the home. Oh, and and in your sermon too, you emphasized, which I think was great, that if the resurrection has happened, and it has, and you're banking on that, what what more do you know? You know that's the foundation. That's that anchor. That, that is so sure that... You, you have freedom. You know that whatever circumstances you are facing, no matter how tough they are, and some can be very difficult, when you have that as the anchor and you know that is so sure, it, it really puts things into perspective. And those big mountains look like pebbles in that framework. Right. Hope is, you know, the, the resurrection is the rock. It's the solid rock that's there. Our hope is linked to that. Our hope is not linked to circumstances or people's broken promises. Our hope is is 
linked and connected to to that which cannot be shaken. We cannot go and undo the resurrection. We, we can't replay, okay, let's recast it like it's never happened. People might live like that, but either the resurrection of Jesus Christ happened in time and space, and if it did happen, we either choose to connect our anchor to that, connect our lives to that, or we choose to, to live out our own, own, own way. And, and a lot of Christians are deciding that they can live out better. And, and uh, you know, they've come to a point where they might realize that, yes, I can't do enough to deliver myself, to save myself into eternal life. But then they said, I got it from here. God, you've done the hard work. You've, you know, uh, given me new birth, but I, I got it from here. I can handle it on my own. And that's just teaching. They need to understand grace. They need to understand growth. Um, there's a there's a parable that Jesus would use uh, in, I think, all well, three of the uh all three of the synoptic gospels. And it's about a sower that goes and sows seed. And many people interpret that, those passages, uh, that parable very differently. Some people see in that passage only one person that has eternal life. Uh, I personally see only one person that doesn't. The seed that's taken from the ground before it has a chance to take root. But there are two seeds, those that are fall among the thorn, and it says, and they believe. I don't know how you get around that to saying, well, they believe, but they don't really believe. They believe, but among the thorns, they are choked out. And the seed that's cast among the rocks, they believe, but they don't grow from that. But there's one that is sown on the good soil, and it produces fruit, more fruit, much fruit. And so um, I think that a lot of people have just gotten caught up with the cares of this world. They're more concerned about what other people think. And their anchor is in the circumstances of life. And the Apostle Paul talks about in Ephesians, they're blown to and fro this way and that way because they're not anchored in Christ and what he has already accomplished. Not what, he's, not what he promises to give us, but what he's already done. And so the fulfillment of that is coming, but we have a, a confidence in that because of what he's already done. He showed up first. He proved himself first to be Savior and uh, ultimately uh, to be our Lord if we will uh, just follow him and, and uh, into the places he leads us. Take that to the bank. Yep, take it to the bank. All right. Well, thank you for breaking that down. I look forward to hearing about how we're going to look at inheritance next week because I think that's going to help us put a lot of pieces together with this and as yes. we go further into First Peter. So thank you for that and thank you all for listening to Just One More Thing from Sunrise Church. <laughs>